we assemble in the fantastical world of Keyforge, discussing law, rules, strategies, decks, organist play, and of course, the Nordic Keyforge League. Gather round the round table as we strive for clear minds and virtuous works. We have a taxing journey ahead of us, but we shall not allow ourselves to be brought low. The harder they come, the stronger our resolve must be. This is the Nordic Keyforge podcast. I am Zaramis. Welcome to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. With me are Hydrophilic Attack and Algernonr, or however you want to say that. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, how's your uh, Keyforge weeks been? We want to start with you, Hydro. You're uh, on a roll. Yeah, I've been well. Tell us about it. Uh, so, uh, in the cup, I have been doing badly. I lost in the winners' league. My f- sorry, in the winners' bracket, the first game I lost, and I had a walkover, and then I lost. <laughs> so I did was just loss, and then another loss. Uh, but I, I, I didn't predict I would do too well because you needed three decks in addition to the six decks you have in the main league, and I don't really have nine super competitive decks. So I decided to prioritize the main league. Uh, but in the league, I have been doing well. Um, I started the season with a 1-2 loss. But since then, I have won my games 2-1 and 3-0, 3-0. So, so I'm tied. F- well, Sysox has a better key difference. So he is in spot one. But I am in spot two behind him with the same number of wins. Uh, so... Uh, it feels like I'm happy with my performance so far this season and my decks have been doing what I wanted them to be doing uh, I mean you crushed me 3-0 yeah and yeah. you crushed me 3-0 as well yeah yeah oh right <laughs> that's that's funny that it's <laughs> I'm here with you two today <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and uh, as we all know there was no luck involved in our games. There was absolutely no autoencoder at the very bottom or high rolls. No, it was just <laughs> outplay. I have never been so crushed by strategic uh, choices in my life. Yeah, the third the third game was quite close. I didn't high roll, but I guess that that was the one where your autoencoder was buried. Was I guess last, maybe. yeah, last yeah. two cards. Yep. Yeah. Sysox today got to face that deck when the autoencoder was in my opening hand. Yeah, uh, with his best deck, that did went very well for me. That deck oh. is very different when it has outer encoder. But Carly, you that was the I played it against you as well, and also didn't get the outer encoder at any. Yeah, time. yeah. <laughs> so that that deck has been cursed. Like last league, it won everything except one game. I played it every. I I stole the segment a little bit from you here, but I just I'm still upset. Last league, I played it every match. And it won every game except one, so seven wins and one loss. And uh, now I played it in the KFPL qualifier Saturday, and I played it in all my league games. And it, this was the first time it won. How? Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I remember our game with that deck was quite close last season, though it was. But you won it, but it was it was a close one. So yeah. But that doesn't matter. The important part is winning. <laughs> no one cares if it's close. Uh, I mean, uh, and also I should mention on Sunday, I, we had some local sealed play in Stockholm, which was fun. Oh, how did that go? Or what, what was the, like, uh, what, what 
format sealed was it yeah set? we had a special thing where you could uh, choose any set to play and basically it was sort of like a free for all uh, it's something i have been skeptical of before but i found it quite fun actually i think uh, especially now that it would take so long until until we get a new set it's good to mix it up in ways like that so mm. was it a good spread with like what sets people Used. Yes, we had one Kota deck, two Dark Tidings decks, and three Worlds Collide decks. Ah, okay. Oh, but it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. What 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 won it all? Um, my mighty sixty-two SAS deck with Worlds Collide Brobnar and Worlds Collide Shadows won. <laughs> I see. Uh, well, but I I think I got good matchups. And also, I think my deck was quite underrated by Sus. It didn't really have anything amazing, but it had it had good board control. It had decent amber control with double Berserker Slam and some Shadow Steel. And uh, it could make a threatening board. And it had even had artifact control. So you could handle a bit of everything. Yeah. So that was all I needed, basically. Hmm. So what about you all? Yeah, apart from, from what I already started saying... Uh... It's been uh, it's been very very rough, mostly because of like I was out traveling that I've been very sick, and as you know from this podcast, I like being prepared. I like knowing what I'm going to ban ahead of time. I like thinking about what my opponent is going to pick or ban, and and then try to predict the order they will play in, so I get good matchups. Uh, that has I haven't had any time. I have not had a single ban session where I had looked at the decks before opening the deck selector this entire oh. this entire oh. uh, season so okay uh, hmm. but i decided quite early on that I, with all my events and everything going on in real life i wouldn't have the time to to be as serious as i wanted so i've just decided to have fun and uh, i think i've been able apart from the game against you maybe a little bit hydro then apart from that i've, I've been in pretty good spirits i think maybe carl was i so yeah uh, yeah no not not too much i think Thank you. No, no, I've, I've been feeling yeah. very okay about the the losses, and uh, I've just been thinking, okay, next season I'm going to come back and, and have fun, and uh, yeah. yeah. So we talked we talked over voice in our game, and I didn't yeah. I didn't notice any sort of uh, uh, unproportional saltiness. <laughs> so <laughs> that's very good. Uh, I'm happy because in that game I felt a little bit too salty, especially in the second one when I was like, whatever, let's move on. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it can be tricky though, like to to keep your spirits up when, because because I have had seasons before where I picked decks um, more like uh, maybe not the strongest decks, decks that I think could be uh, like with specific combos or themes or whatever. And then I think, well, even if I lose, I will still have fun. But then I lose a bit too much, and mm. it starts to really get. Uh, not very entertaining yeah. after a while. So, but like you have still won. We are before our game. We were tied. So you have still yeah yeah. It's absolutely done not okay. I think with those preparations. Uh, and I took a game of Sysox today, and our key difference was seven seven uh, mm-hmm. in our match. So uh, I'm happy with that. Like he has yeah. really really good decks, and uh, my decks performed okay. Um, mm. One of them was definitely my mistake, where I gave him a mark of this target at the very end of the game. Um, I didn't think about the fact that he had a way too 
bounce my first remove the shield and then bounce a, a character with capture. But apart from that, it was the KFPL qualifier. I had to cancel the cup because I, I realized I wouldn't have time to have fun in that. So I canceled before my first game. Hmm. Uh, the KFPL qualifier went crappily. Uh, but it was also like I, I signed up very spontaneously and just played. What was the format for the qualifier? It was a single deck two game survival. So okay. it was basically double elimination. An arc on 80 SAS cap. And none of the decks that I enjoy playing right now were uh, are below 80 anymore, except mm. for car keys. And I had played that in so many KFPL tournaments that I was like, meh. So I played Yogg. And it yeah, this is another reason I'm a bit, I'm a bit skeptical of of uh, SAS cups, but we have had that discussion before. So yeah, <laughs> but that was my uh, that was my summary. I hope to cling into in diamond. I think I will be able to because I don't have a horrible record or anything like that. Yeah. Um, How about you, Algernon? Uh, yeah. So in the in the league, like last two weeks have been the games versus you two. Uh, and one went uh, horribly wrong, as we have discussed. And the other one we played just the other day uh, versus Aramis, and that went uh, over my expectations. Um, so a zero three loss versus you, Hydro, and then two two one. Uh, very tight games overall versus uh, Aramis. But overall, I, I feel like. Um, I haven't brought my like strongest mm. lineup this season, no. uh, and I'm quite happy with my results. Or I'm very, very happy with my results so far, actually. But uh, it has I... been a tricky, tricky lineup. Like, tell us, tell the mm. our listeners a little bit about it, and then I can reflect uh, reflect on it. Yeah. So the so my idea was for this season to try having very like similar uh, archetype uh, decks. Uh, so I have a lot of a uh, lot of speed and a lot of creatures. In, uh, Which was the much... exact same thought that I had before this season. Yeah, <laughs> but the decks, uh, I think your decks are overall a bit stronger because they also have like creature control. Uh, my decks have very limited creature control, and some of them have very little, <laughs> will little amber control as well. But um, like, if you get a good, uh, good start, you you can have a. Uh, it can go very fast if you get to yeah, reap. Some of them um, are very high rolly uh, yeah. and were very hard to deal with when they. Yeah, yeah so I suppose I, I've been <laughs> lucky in most uh, most games so far or most matches so far that I've actually been able to pull off wins versus, I think, generally speaking, better decks. Um, but also, all of the decks are ones that I've played like, a lot. So mm-hmm. I know how to at least maximize uh, their performance, I think. But then again, it also needs to be uh, a good draw in order to actually mm-hmm. yeah. win with them. But uh, I've had like close, close um, wins and close losses. So I don't think it's been like just luck. It has been also that the decks actually can perform at this level, which I've been happy with. So, um, so one thing, one thing I noticed about your decks is four of them are very similar to each other, uh, yeah. and two that are yeah. a bit different. So it's yeah. kind of you always you you probably will get to play at least two of those decks that are very similar. So you get to play that play style you want to play. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, and I've been wanting to try this like um, method of deck selection for for a bit. You just haven't had the decks really, uh, or not having had the decks um, play them enough, maybe mm-hmm. uh, like enough similar decks that I also enjoy playing and have a good record with uh, in competitive on TCO. So what do you think? Would you would you uh, do it? Again, like, do do you think that the, the method of choosing decks was successful, or or was it mostly an? Yeah, I think experiment? overall the method is is very successful. Like, if you do have six very similar type of decks, yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's a very strong, uh, strong thing because it makes your banning so much easier, and it makes it more tricky for your opponent to ban. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then, like, what type of deck would that be? Maybe that's. Um, some That's kind the of hardest meta thing. analysis that you have to figure out, and also you have to have the the decks then that would uh, would perform. Mm. So this isn't a, a deck lineup that could ever win diamond, but it's a deck lineup that can survive diamond apparently, or I think so <laughs> anyway, which is which is what I'm I'm fine with. I actually focused more on the cup this uh, this season. I have uh, some of my best decks there. I think. How's it going there? It's going good. I'm in the, I think, semifinals for the winner's bracket. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I had a very good lineup in the cup when I left it. I had, like, Sultan, Reeves, and uh, another, like, a destructive Infernus uh, creature destruction deck. <laughs> mm. Yeah, That's so it's a, a nice, classic. like, interesting season, just uh, because I think people have very different approaches in how to like where the focus is is it the cup or the league uh, yeah anyway um let's move on to our main segment for today with those uh, recaps about how we all got crushed by hydro uh, <laughs> today we are going to talk about something that i think will be relevant for everyone who is playing keyforge in this uh time and this place in time because of the hiatus that the game is in uh it has been said that they will be doing some kind of relaunch, that they're working on a digital client, and we brought all of that up in this previous episode. Today is about how do we make sure that we still have fun when this has happened to a game? Like, what makes it fun for us, or how do we get excited about yet another season with the same like sets uh, and so on? Or how do we keep live play going? So I figure we will start by just going a, a short round with what do you do personally to to keep your engagement with the game up carl would you uh like to start yeah like personally i don't feel like i'm too um, i don't feel like too affected by the hiatus to be honest uh, i don't think the lack of new sets will diminish my like joy of the game i'm perfectly happy with uh, uh with just Playing casual games, playing uh, the Nordic Keyforge League, um, and uh, playing in live events when I'm able to. Um, I think we, ha- I have, I have enough decks to discover in my collection, so mm-hmm. I- I'm perfectly happy with that. Um, to be honest, but of course, there, if it goes too long, like uh, then something will have to be. Um, changed about that but uh, overall I'm, I'm not very worried that the hiatus will will make it boring for me or so i think i will i will be 
fine. So you you would be fine with just, for example, playing the NKFL and just continuing with these these regular seasons and so on, trying out new combinations. And yeah, yeah. What about you, Hydro? Um. So for me, uh, this is something I touched on in episode four uh, when we discussed. Uh, I don't know balancing life and Keyforge, but uh, uh, for me. I have sort of made a change to try and not play too much so I don't burn out on the game. And I think that's an approach that works quite well now during the hiatus as well. So I play the league. Uh, I play locally uh, when when we get a chance to. Uh, but otherwise, I don't force myself to play in too many leagues. I try to just focus on one thing uh, just because it's a super fun to play, but it's kind of takes a lot of energy to for me just booking games and deciding time takes a lot of energy uh, so so I try to limit that to to just a league and the cup uh, so so that I don't burn out on these things that are not really directly related to the game but take some energy anyway um, and then one thing that can be a challenge I guess for us that have have a small local community is how how do you keep the local community engaged and that's something uh, I've been thinking about, and I think what we have been doing that has been working quite well, and I should not take the credit for this uh, because most of the people who are driving are right now other people, but I would say it's, uh, again, the same thing. We don't try to force to play too often. Like uh, uh, during Worlds Collide uh, and Age of Ascension, we try to play every week, and uh, sometimes we would just have three people coming. Uh, but I think it has been working better for us to play. I don't know. Someone says roughly once per month. Oh, this Sunday is okay, and usually everyone says no, not this Sunday. It's too short notice, and then we decide the next next Sunday. Um, and and it's roughly one time per month, or something like that, every four or five weeks. Uh, and then we get good turnout. We get sick. We have gotten six to eight people every time since the since the uh, hiatus announcement, which is good. For for Stockholm, I would say. Yeah. Um, and um, the other thing is, uh, I know that I I like playing Seed and I like playing the latest set Sealed, but I know that the latest set is not super popular with everyone. So you have to be a bit careful if you play, you can't play Dark Tidings Sealed every time because people are going to get tired of it. So, yeah. so uh, thinking about how to vary very maybe try things like we did like a, a mixed uh, mixed set thing or playing i don't know age of ascension or w- world's collide seal or something else we have done some mass mutation seal but they have run out of decks basically most places in sweden so probably we can do more mass mutation yeah. seal in the future uh, me and gunnar bought uh, four of the last mms uh, displays in sweden he heard that there were some investor was i think and he drove there for like two hours <laughs> to buy four of these displays, where Cysox had already been there buying like five displays. Hmm. The last MM displays in Sweden. <laughs> I was thinking about going there as well because I saw the announcement, but then uh, I got a message on Discord from uh, from Gunnar. He said he's already been there, so no need. <laughs> Cleaned it out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So and I, I guess it's not only it's they're out of mass mutation in Italy as well from what I've heard, uh, and maybe some other places as well. So yeah, I usually don't buy. I don't recommend usually buying decks in bulk. But I don't know if you want 
if you want to have a stash of mass mutation to tide you over, maybe maybe it's a good idea yeah. to try try and mm. find product. Not don't wait for a sale. If you want more, just buy what you can find if you can find something. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. what about you, Saramis? For well, that actually brings me to one of the things that I am doing because I think I'm. Like I have always been a person who has very easy time just pausing something, but I do like feeling up to date and feeling like I have a, I have a problem if I pause the league too long, to to feel like I felt that momentum. But having, uh, opening old sets is still very fun for me, especially if you can organize tournaments. So me and Gunnar are holding these sealed tournaments where we take one display each, and we play them all against each other, and then we make a bracket out of that, and then we just play all of these games to finally and it's like two deck survival so we will finally have a winner winner that has not uh, lost two games and that kind of tournament is something i would like to do either with people online or in real life with lots of my mediocre decks as well i would have loved to take just a whole bunch of the 60s decks and see which ones are the best or mm. or for example take take one of you or so and just grab 20 of our least played decks but that look a bit fun and we put them against each other and have a two deck survival like uh and then, yes it means that sometimes i get we get play two of yours or two of mine against each other and we just random who plays what but i, I find it's a very fun thing to see what kind of decks win in these less than optimal tournament situations where you just throw a bunch of decks together and see what decks come out on top what decks yeah. so, and, and so far we've found really interesting results uh, for those things. Uh, it's a way to use your collection or open new decks if you want to. Uh, but most of all, it's a way to discover decks that are actually a lot of fun to play and a lot of weird interactions that you would never see if you just, you know, you open the deck, you see it's not a top deck, you put it aside. <laughs> or you play it twice on, on TCO and you get stomped or whatever. Then you will never notice that it actually has, a, uh, has these interactions. Yeah, that, I agree. that's definitely something I do. Uh, so, so I will note. I w I, I want to say I I once did something like this. Uh, there was a player I played against sometimes on TCO, and he had a collection of decks. Back when I had more time or time that I should have spent on doing other things, and I was spending it on Keyforge, uh, and he had a collection. He had his collection of decks, and he wanted to play them against each other. So I I took I played against him, played with his decks, and we did. Uh, did uh, did that kind of tournament that you're describing, yeah. and it was quite fun. Uh, so, mm. so yeah, if you get the chance to do it, uh, it and it can also like be done idea. over a long time. Like you just put up a challenge bracket, and you can play over weeks. Like, yeah, that's what we did. We took mm, maybe right. he would ask me, "Are you free to play? I don't know two two matches today?" And we did, and then yeah. maybe yeah, oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, I've also done plenty of of uh, that kind of tournaments both uh, like solo played uh, like opened um, when I bought the display and then like 4x decks so I have 16 decks playing them versus yeah, yeah. another just to find like what decks in this bunch are the most fun or best or and just to actually get plays with all these decks uh, but also done exactly what you described with um, other like community members of NKFL, like where we pick maybe nine decks that we haven't played uh, that look sort of interesting in the collection yeah, and yeah. we just uh, roll which deck to use versus which deck and then after two losses they're out and then like continue yeah, exactly, yeah. just to get the games in. I think it's really, really fun. Uh, and also just a way to 
like I've always liked playing decks in my collection versus myself to actually uh, just get to know them. I feel like I yeah. get to know them better when I also know the opposition, sort of. Uh, so I know the both both the decks played, and I think solo play is um, uh, it's something I enjoy a lot. I know Sysox uh, plays it a lot as well. Uh, yeah, you must people... have thousands of games in total. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You always see Sysox versus Bracca on TCO. Um, yeah, but I, I played um, uh, also like physical decks versus, versus same, same. each other. Just uh, at the table. <laughs> yeah. Entire tournaments at the table. Yeah. But um, it's it's faster and easier on TCO, obviously. But um, like when you actually shuffle the decks, look at the cards, sort of you get to, I don't know, for me, it works better uh, to like remember what deck does what. And uh, it holds like a more special place than in my collection. I know what it does. I still have, from Mass Mutation onwards, I bought a lot of decks at the same time, but I didn't get to really play them enough to like make them memorable. So I still have very much trouble getting through my mesmentation collection and not knowing like I see that I play this deck 10 times but I have no idea what it is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I recently bought two uh, MM displays or recently a couple of months ago but two of the last ones at Webhalla maybe or Spielefoke or something um, and I only pl really played one of those 24 decks and that's uh, the Separador deck that uh, Algernon uh, took from 75% win rate to 70 or something <laughs> like that. I was like, look at this great deck. Bang, boom. Ow, ow. <laughs> That's the only deck I've played among them. I played them a couple of times, but not enough to really see if they're good. I've Like they looked okay. Then I tried some of them and they were, they were like, meh. Yeah. But uh, since we are all apparently people who have no problems with, with the, a hiatus of, of new content, but I know that a lot of people are. Uh, is there is there some way apart from buying new decks or rediscovering your own scene? What do you think, for example, about these solo adventures that people have started creating? Is that Keyforge for you, or is that something else? So, so uh, they printed the. I mean, they first they released like the the official uh, Rise of the Key Rack, and and I yeah. have. I have that one printed out on actual cards, but I, <laughs> I haven't gotten around to playing it. Uh, I think actually I would enjoy playing it, uh, but I just haven't uh, gotten started with it. Yeah, uh, I've but... tried it like maybe five times or something, hmm. but I think it's. Um, uh, I'm not sure. I, I do enjoy solo play, as I said, but. Uh, I don't think uh, it feels Keyforged to me, really. It feels like something else. Um, it feels like it, another game, but using the same cards? or Yeah, pretty much. And I also think you have a very specific deck uh, type that does well in that scenario. And you can oh, figure okay. that out quite quickly. So, like, I don't know. Maybe as a... Maybe as a together with someone to play like a co cooperative thing. Mm -hmm. Just like a solo adventure didn't do it for me. Uh, I enjoy other ways of playing Keyboard Solo more. Mm -hmm. So I don't see any reason to yeah. play those. But 
it is nice that it exists, obviously, and uh, hopefully there will be more uh, scenarios as well. So, so I, I would say I have played a bit on my own uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, uh, and I have enjoyed that a lot, actually. So, But I haven't gone all in on it and bought, because if you want to go on all in on that game, uh, you don't have time for any, time and space and money for anything else. Uh, I have everything from Arkham uh, okay. Horror. Nice. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but but I've enjoyed playing that a lot. So I think, and I think what they do to keep people engaged in that game is they always release new content. So if they want the Keyforge event, if they want people not to get bored by the Keyforge adventures, they, I think, uh, they need to release new content more regularly, like at least a, a scenario per month. Because uh, you don't think that the player-made scenarios will fill the same. Uh, player-made scenarios may actually fulfill the same ones. I I haven't played them, so I can't uh, I can't I can't speak for if they are good or not. But of course, uh, stuff like they won't probably have um, as much newly created art and things like that, which I think is important for these kind of mm, things. Yeah. Uh, so it mm. will not be quite the same, but I'm sure they can be. I'm sure there are some talented people who can make their own art and and uh, and also design them well, but uh, then probably not release those <laughs> at the kind of timing, like frequency that would be needed to to stay engaged in that way. That yeah. someone like FFD could, if they if they decided they wanted devote to devote the time to. Uh, yeah. yeah, you also could feel like they should maybe devote the time now where they when they can't make any content like regular yeah. <laughs> sets and stuff to do that uh, to release more uh, solo scenarios i guess but they also have the stats on whether are people actually like if it was actually popular or not it's hard for yeah. us to say whether it was a was actually like a successful venture or not Right, uh, but I'm not sure. That I think true. that I think those stats can be misleading because it will see how many people went and downloaded the PDF or whatever. But some people sent that to a printer and shared it in their community, and I'm not yeah. sure how they can track that. That's if true. They that's can. true. And uh, it's also just a way to actually be show the uh, your community that you are active and still do stuff for the game, which I think, like on a just communication level. Would be good for FFG in this. Uh, yeah, situation. I think that that uh, we are we are uh, pretty. Uh, I think everyone will always agree that whatever FFG can do to make us feel like they're doing things, even if we know yeah, that the exactly. algorithm is broken, is is something good. Uh, for me, it isn't needed. I would rather that they, like, if if the choice is between do some small things to make it feel like a slowly dying game versus not do anything at all and then actually devote time to it when they need to. Like if they can let everyone go from F working on, on Keyforge until they have fixed the algorithm and fixed the online client and then re-release it, I prefer that to them trying to artificially keep a game alive that won't have any new sets until that happens. So yeah, uh, I... I mean, I remember some Crucible casts where they really didn't have anything to say, and they just—it felt like they just released it to release something. And yeah. they always felt those episodes felt like a waste of time. Like there was five minutes of good content and twenty-five minutes of filler in those. Uh, so yeah, uh, they should avoid doing that at least. I think. Yeah, um, I agree. 
But something I think they could do, though, that I think would be interesting is, I don't know, they could spoil just one card per month or something from Windsor Exchange. That would get people talking a bit, at least, maybe. Uh, I would enjoy mm -hmm. that. Uh, if they really pace themselves with that, they should be able to to do that without giving away too much information. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, there's, of course, one big other thing that, that uh, people find exciting, and it's tournaments. And uh, we've seen that pretty huge tournaments in Italy and, uh, what was it? Was it in Spain as well? Or was it somewhere else? In the uh, US as well. Keep yeah, it live in the US. Oh yeah, with Keyforge Live happening. Uh, what do we think? Like, do, do we think that the tournament, like the player tournament scene can survive? I know that when I played Game of Thrones, uh, it was the player tournaments that actually became the biggest ones because the FFG ones were never as well organized as the player ones. And for example, the tournament of Stalek that was like in a castle where people drove uh, or, or flew in from all over the world to play in this 300 people tournament, like the, the professionalism of that kind of tournament was so important for that game. It, you could even say that it was the thing that kept it alive. Uh, yeah. We think that, that Keyforge has the potential for, for those kind of tournaments in these times. Would you yeah, go? Think... Like if, if someone with enough production value arranged something in Europe, would you want to go? I would consider it, but then again, I have three kids, so I probably wouldn't go. Yeah, but, but, but like theory, I would like, like... to uh, go. Like I follow uh, the Age of Empires 2 scene, and that is a very old computer game. And uh, it was like abandoned by Microsoft for maybe after like 10 years. No tournaments whatsoever. And it survived just by the player, the community-driven uh, tournaments. And the scene was quite small, but growing. And then with enough following, uh, Microsoft then picked it up again like <laughs> 20 years later. And mm. now it's uh, bigger than ever. So I think <laughs> That's um, really cool. Like games can no really idea. survive if the like if the game is good enough, the community yeah. will still be there. I think and uh, definitely like uh, the bigger the events that the community can bring, it shows the company that this is the game worth uh, investing in. Uh, I think Keyforge has that potential. I think I mean the fact that some successful tournaments have been held uh, shows that it. I, the problem is, I mean, the, the the question is if it has the staying power, I guess. Like, and some people have been holding tournaments this summer and this autumn, but will they hold tournaments a year from now also, I guess. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I think the problem is, I guess, are there people who have enough energy and time to organize these things? It takes a lot of work, I guess, I uh, to do that. Uh, so... Uh, so that that that's going to be that's going to be an important thing. You need people who who both have the passion and the time and the energy to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. And also, I think one of the drawbacks of Keyforge um, is um, like playing Keyforge is obviously extremely fun, uh, but I don't think we have enough options to watch Keyforge, and perhaps not the best uh, like interfaces uh, for watching Keyforge currently. Um, so I wish there would be more like Twitch streams uh, and just 
better spec tools, maybe spec delay, so you could actually cast uh, big games live with an audience. Stuff like that, One I think, would be very good. could bring up hands, for example. I know that they have that in Magic and so on, Twitch overlays, where you can see yeah. what someone has there, what their deck is, and so on. Yeah, I think stuff like that would be very good. But then again, maybe we have to wait for the for the relaunch and yeah. the digital. Yeah, um, I don't think anyone will find it in themselves right now to do a lot of work on digital tools. Yeah, or I think digital. that's very understandable. But I definitely hope that that will emerge when they, they launch it. Because I will admit, I, I have thought about... Uh, like getting into other card games. I think I've talked a little bit before about how I have been competitively playing both uh, Game of Thrones and uh, Magic for a short, short while before I realized I hated it. Uh, and I've thought about like this when the new season of Legends of Runeterra came, I was like, should I just get good at this? Here I could win money. I mean, I've won money in, in Keyforge as well, but... Uh, I could win a lot more money in, in uh, Runeterra, and I know I can get that good. But I want to play Keyforge. I want to open decks and do stupid tournaments. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to play Constructed. Like, Constructed card games... Yeah, there's just, they're just not the same. I love this the, the format, and I want it to succeed. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's just too fun to try either... Just open a deck and see what it has, and... Uh... Try to and sorting them and like trying to make the systems or tournaments like, yeah, j j all, all the potential for discovery is just so good in Keyforge. Mm. Yeah, I have a very strong belief in Keyforge. <laughs> like as a game, I think it's the it's concept, strong yeah. enough that uh, a relaunch will uh, both there will be a lot of, uh, like the core of the existing community will still be there, I think. And I think also it has the potential to draw lots of new people as well. If yeah, with, it, with an online client, I definitely think yeah. so too. Because yeah. the game is so fun. Like I have been dreaming about this whole, if they enabled a pay 50 kroner, get a digital new deck, oh man, I would get run out of money so fast. <laughs> I was like, oh, do I feel yeah. like playing a new Keyforge deck today? Yes. Click. Oh, hmm. yeah, awesome. If, if it can be played on a phone on, on my commute to work, yeah, then, yeah, I mean, New that would be everybody. a really difficult, <laughs> that would be a really difficult interface challenge, I think. But if they can figure it out, then that would be dangerous yeah. <laughs> for my wallet, <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, but I think like uh, a big, um, like maybe the biggest problem for me would be just the lack of product. Under, like how long is this mm. um, time and will we run out completely of product That's yeah, a good point. we can't meetup. we even buy AOA like no one wants to yeah. buy AOA but we will in the end Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, but um, because just opening decks is that is, is a lot of the fun so definitely mm. for me for me, I, I if I can't in local play, I much prefer Sealed over Archon. So if they, if they yeah. run out of decks completely, so you can't even hold Sealed events, yeah, that would be that would be very sad. <laughs> I hope it doesn't get to that. It has happened with yeah. Mass Mutation, but I, I, hope, I hope there is enough stuff left in the other sets that it doesn't happen. Then we have to become very creative and uh, come up with new formats that just isn't Archon, but uh, still 
fun. <laughs> yeah, another another thing that I really enjoy when when opening, like even if you can only open a deck every month or so, I think that uh, playing tournaments between decks and then drafting like each other's decks to to take out of new ownership of people's deck, like starting having decks on the line, maybe not your best ones, but you know everyone puts in a deck. Mm. And then the winner of the tournament gets to draft from the whole deck pool Ooh, and no. pick whatever mm. they want to. <laughs> so do you can take one of your best decks and you hope you win? <laughs> or do you take a fairly good deck and you hope you win? Or because I I would say I would love that kind of and you could say like, okay, it's a SAS cap of seventy or whatever. So you mm. can't lose the, the, the best one through a bad luck. But I would love to take a fairly good seventy deck and face a bunch of other fun seventy decks. And the winner gets to draft the first one, and then the second place gets to pick the next one, and you redistribute the decks. Uh, that would not be yeah. good for me. I know I can be a sore loser sometimes, and I would or be over competitive, and that, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I don't think it would not be healthy if I. <laughs> <laughs> I like it in theory, but I think in practice, I would also uh, not enjoy it. I think. <laughs> but but I think it's something that some. I think you would not be alone in in enjoying it. So just, I think it's just a polarizing thing. So just because I say that I wouldn't like it, and and uh, Algernon says that, I don't think that means that no one would like it. I think. But I mean, you can also bring a deck yeah. you don't like and hope to get rid of it, and hope to get something yeah. more fun instead. Like That's true. If you if you're a person who don't want to lose your deck, bring one that you find is interesting but you don't want. Like this is one of those decks that would go into the trash. Mm. Bring that one, and maybe you will do better with that than you think you will. Mm. Which means that you now get to pick higher up in the order, and you can take someone else's. So I think yeah, that there true. are ways for for people to, like, you don't have to bring a deck you don't want to lose. You can yeah. bring decks to get rid of them <laughs> in order to like, upgrade. Yeah, but like I don't enjoy reversal. I know people do, but I don't. Uh, but that's because I like to play good game and good decks generally. So even if in that kind of format, I think I would be more inclined to play decks that I. Uh, think is fun, which then would be good, which I then would feel bad if I lose. I think uh, overall, I, I, I don't I can see. like. I have a lot of fun decks that I don't wouldn't mind losing, like uh, that I wouldn't mind giving away or whatever. Decks that I've been like, yeah, this has this special little thing. But if someone else wins that deck and picks it, they also have to pick it. They have to find it's a fun deck as well. Mm. Then I have quite a lot of good decks that I never want to play. And I would bring them to that kind of tournament and see if I can like something about it. And if not, then I get another deck instead. Like it's a yeah. way to, to keep the decks fresh after. Uh, so you get a deck that at least has some kind of value from someone else. And you get to get rid of a deck that you would never play on TCO, for example. Because you always have another you choose before it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I will uh, tell people out there to, yes, try, try this... Uh, Mm. Uh, draft round robin format. Where you, you need a better name for it. Yes. Uh, let, let me see. The round table. Oh, good. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, sounds interesting. Who gets to be Arthur and pick <laughs> pick the day, the winning deck or the pick a deck first? Yeah. So round table format is the new name of this. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Ten champions assemble. <laughs> Uh, so I, I have a question that has come up with regards to this uh, uh, hiatus. When do you think, like, uh, if you think, like, this is a time when the FFG needs to have sorted this out, like, what's the latest time they could release Winds of Exchange and, and the game? 
to pick up. When Corona is no longer an issue. Like by the time everyone in the world is like, now we can start having real events again for real. No worries, no nothing. Uh, that's the time where I think that they will need to, like, they, they could grasp that moment and launch some tournaments and so on. Because if I think they do it too early, they will still be like, oh, will it actually happen? Will they cancel or so on? Hmm. And if it happens too late, then I think people will have moved on to find other things to do because we want to do things for real. We want real tournaments and so on. I think that the closer to that kind of timing they are, the more successful it will be. Hmm. Yeah, that's mm, yeah, th- that's a good point. Maybe 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 the hiatus actually helps them avoid sort of a bad COVID time for the game or something like that. To uh, to mm. some in some in some weird way. <laughs> in some they... weird way, at least like now that it has happened, mm. it's certainly like you can make the most of it in that way. Yeah, because if if this time was riddled with cancelled tournaments and half launches and like trying to hype us for a game that we couldn't play in real life, like. That would also leave a kind of a bad taste for a lot of people that plan tournaments that never happen and so on. Now we know it will not happen for quite a while. Okay, that's what we do have to deal with now. Actually, I uh, think I think sort of Dark Tidings saw a sort of a not super enthusiastic response from the community, mm-hmm. and I think this might be part of it. Actually, like people didn't get really get introduced to the sets by playing sealed with. No, exactly. We didn't have a DT tournament where people got to see DT and play yeah. against. Like, instead, we compared it immediately to our best MM decks exactly. or our best World Collide decks. Because and the decks you the... face on TCO. Uh... Exactly. That was the format DT came into hmm. into existence. In. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. But uh, what was it... like when when was MM released? MM was released at the very start of the, but that the, when a deck is released, uh, when a set is released that is much stronger than the other sets, then of course it's a positive thing that you bring it to TCO where you get to stomp people from the old sets. Yeah. But when a de- when a set is slightly weaker, to immediately have it compare to tournaments and leagues and so on, where every other set is much stronger, or like not every other set, but where where generally the the previous two sets are much stronger. Mm. Yeah. Then it becomes a very bad like uh, reception because you you can't go like oh but we go to this hundred people live event where everyone is playing DT and then you can be happy over getting that slightly more rushy good untamed deck or you can get a cool Star Alliance combo that gets you to the final day or like stuff like that. Instead, it's like oh I got this cool Star Alliance combo. Too bad it's half as good as my decent MM deck. Mm. And I, yeah. I think also just, uh, I don't know, opening uh, 40 decks at home at once is maybe yeah, not, it's it's not the best negative. way to get to to uh, want to try out everything. No, I, I definitely discovered that after opening, you know, five displays of, uh, of Dark Tidings <laughs> and then playing the three decks that felt good enough to compete with MM. <laughs> yeah. Because I love, like, once again, I, I, I love DT. I love the feeling of DT. I think the tide is great. No, I like uh, it too. But, yeah. but I wish it was just a little bit better. So I didn't have to be like, oh, should I play my bad DT deck? Or should I play my good MM? It doesn't need to be as good as MM. It just needs to be better. <laughs> yeah. And I know you hate it, Carl. So. Yeah, I don't like it too much. But <laughs> I have a few decks that I that I enjoy playing. But mostly, like, uh, I, I I don't think I found a single deck that I can use 
in like competitive on TCO and actually get good stats. I have three that do good on, on TCO over fifty percent. One of them is up at seventy. Yeah, okay. I, I can give a good recommendation for how to get exposed to interesting DT decks, and that is to use the sealed function on TCO, because people tend to upload their stronger decks, import the stronger decks into 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 TCO. So I've found that when I play sealed DT on TCO, I get more interesting oh, decks interesting, than the average it's... deck I open. Uh, mm -hmm. okay. So that's so, actually a good point. So I've had I've had a lot of fun playing sealed dark tidings on TCO. So you could try that maybe if you would enjoy the set. Yeah. Two yeah. two of my strongest DT decks are of course uh, one of them is Miles that can do three keys in one turn. <laughs> Uh, combo deck, and the other one is my Gross Hings deck. <laughs> that is also a combo deck. Mm. Yeah. But the Miles deck is, yeah, it's one of my favorite decks in all of all of my Keyforge collection. Being able to go from zero Ember, zero keys to three keys uh, in one turn, and do it fairly regularly. Almost half of the games end with that kind of uh, result. Feels fun to play against. Uh, yeah, <laughs> super fun. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's people actually have not been very negative about it. So for those for our listeners here, I'm just going to give you a very short rundown. It has a final analysis library card, uh, several draw pips, uh, data forge combination, uh, with also a theory or conjecture that allows you, which is a, like a wild wormhole. So mm. on the library card turn and a phase shift as well, because why not? Uh, and a keyfrog, so I can phase shift into keyfrog and do key shift that way as well if I want to, before final analysis. Uh, and lots of creatures. So the thing it does is once it activates the library card, you have a very high chance of, of drawing the entire deck and then only having logos with draw pips and data forge. So and I mean, there is a very clear counterplay to that, which is to destroy yeah, you purge, your, your library the, card. the library card. Yeah. So it's not like it's a deck that's impossible to face either so not, not at all like it, it isn't uh, uh inevitable and it also means that people if they see it mm. they know they need to hold their uh, mm. artifact control which can be used as well it, is, it has speed 20 so it's a fairly good deck in other ways as well uh, and it can definitely win by just forcing people to hold the counters to the combo and then trying to just outspeed it especially if you get the library card in archive uh so you don't have to actually hold it on hand but uh, it's it's a very different combo from the more obvious Gross Hings combo where you get to sit there and watch them do the same thing every turn and they win slowly. Like this is, you play a regular dead game of Keyforge and if it works, then they suddenly, it's over. You don't, mm. uh, which seems to be the reason why it hasn't been received as negatively. People have instead said like, wow, that's so cool or amazing. I didn't know that could happen and so on because they, it felt like a regular game. Yeah, and then suddenly, so one person has three keys in a single turn, and it's like, "Whoa, wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That sounds fun. Uh, and it has lots of counterplays. Like if they keep the board super small, so the final analysis doesn't get this like whole thing rolling because the final analysis needs to draw a lot of cards, so I can play a lot of creatures to do final analysis again, and so on. And if they keep the board super small, it also doesn't work. But it's it's fairly consistent. It has fifty five percent competitive win rate. So yeah, that's yeah, pretty that good. good. 
for for dark tidings, I would say it's very yeah. Good. It's a sixty-five SAS dark tidings deck without uh, like <laughs> with big flaws in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I started like a solo challenge just uh, like the other week where I bring seventy-two of my like, best decks, I suppose, uh, and then I brought uh, I think seven or eight DT decks and like thirty-five MM. Maybe yeah. so. There is a difference in like how I view the the sets. Yeah, yeah. And mostly, I, I just brought. Uh, I, I think I have three, maybe that could do okay in that kind of setting. But um, I brought more just to get some variety, I guess. But all right, uh, we need to move on uh, to hmm. the league update. Uh, so, uh, will you give us a short update, uh, Hydro, on uh, on the league standings? Okay, so we start with the Diamond Division, uh, which were in the lead. We have Sysox uh, with 12 wins and 3 losses. He has his uh, latest round counted because it was a, it was a, a walkover. So, so if you don't count that, it's 9 against 3. Uh, and he has a key difference of 16. Uh, I am in second place with also 9 against 3, but key difference 9. So a bit behind. I need to win more games than him, basically, if I want to pass him. Um, and then uh, third place, we have uh, uh, Stoffson with eight wins, and also Algenon has eight wins, and Zaramis has seven wins. Moving on to Platinum, we have uh, Mr. K-Pop has been doing very well. He is at 10 wins versus two losses. Uh, so he's in the first place. And then in second place, we have Irrelevant ID, uh, seven wins versus five losses. And then we have behind him four players with six wins each. So it's very tight for that second promotion spot with uh, with uh, one person at seven wins and four people at six wins. So I think the Platinum Division will be one to f- keep an eye on. For the Gold Division... We have Ladan 7 dominating completely with 12 wins and 0 losses so far. Uh, And behind him we have uh, JPVG at 9 wins against 6 losses. And then we have Yusavu and Lord Olof at 7 wins each. Uh, For Silver A, we have Dick Rowland at 9 wins, followed by Octodog and Torvalpo at 8 wins, and Mitte and Pinne at 7 wins. Silver B has PAQ with also an amazing record of 11 wins versus 1 loss. And he's followed by Robert at 8 wins. And then two people at 6 wins, Pautrick and Equi. And then the Captain and Arkult at 5 wins each for position 5 and 6. For Bronze A, we have also again someone uh, dominating with Christoph, who has 13 wins against 2 losses. And closest behind him are 2 players with 9 wins each in Medaps and Bayin. And then J. Filipeg is in 4th place with 7 wins. Uh, Bronze B has Martian Dog at nine wins, friend of the podcast. Uh, and then behind him, we have uh, at eight wins, 
then Gain uh, at third place with seven wins, Rolle, and then Schub and Tuben in fourth and fifth place with six wins each. And finally, we have Bronze Z, where we have Mozzi in the top with 10 wins, two losses, followed closely by... Actually, this is very funny. Uh, the top six players each have one win less than the person above them. So we have Mozzi at 10, Swiper at 9, Roger Schrauber at 8, Saint Velten at 7, Red Train at 6, and Flux at 5. So, and I guess then, yeah, there are, there are only six players. But <laughs> it's funny that they were all separated by one win each. Okay, that was uh, the standings. All right, and that uh, concludes our episode. I uh, hope you are still with us. Uh, if you're hearing this, you are still with us. I can inform you that. So if you're confused <laughs> about that, then now you know you're still listening to the Nordic Keyforge podcast. Uh, we're still having fun. Make sure you have fun as well and uh, play a round table. All right. <laughs> I am Zaramis. I've been your host tonight. And uh, the other two with me are Hydrophilic Attack and Algenon. Okay. Bye, everyone.